0: They've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: We made it. <laughs> Here we are. Go ahead, my love. I'm. I just finished the Terry and Jesse show, and I'm. I'm like, wow. I'm. I'm. Uh, blown away, but I'm glad to be here with you, um, here in the Bible with the Barbers, and I always like to read the reading of the gospel of today, and then get your comments on what, you know, what your commentary is. So do you mind if I read the gospel? Go right ahead. All righty. And I don't have a headset on, because we're getting a new one next week or tomorrow, so I can, uh, you're looking at my bald head, if I'm blinding you, uh, on YouTube or Facebook, sorry about that. (laughs) This is a reading from a gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verse 30 to 37. Jesus and his disciples left from there and began a journey through Galilee, but he did not wish anyone to know about it. He was teaching his disciples and telling them, the Son of Man is to be handed over to men, and they will kill him. And three days later, after his death, the Son of Man will rise. But they did not understand the saying, and they were afraid to question him. (laughs) That's interesting. They came to Capernaum, and once inside the house, he began to ask them, What were you arguing about on the way? You mean they were even arguing back then, as we argue today? (laughs) Oh my gosh. But they remained silent, for they had been discussing among themselves on the way who is the greatest? Oh, brother, nothing new under the sun. Nothing new under the sun. Then he sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, If anyone wishes to be first, he shall be last of all, and the servant of all. And I love this analogy. So many times in the gospel he has an analogy with children. Take, taking a child, he placed it in their midst, and putting his arms around Yet he said to them, whoever receives one child such as this in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but the one who sent me. The gospel of the Lord. Praise Praised you, Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Isn't that powerful? Beautiful gospel. Well, give Amen. us some commentary, Mary Danielle. Well, it's,
2: Jesus is telling, He's again, he's, this is not the first time he's talk, talked about his passion here yeah. in the Gospel of Mark. It's the second. He's warning his apostles that he's going to suffer. This is what he came to Why do.
1: Why were they confused about that? They just weren't prepared for that, right? They well, the,
2: the resurrection, yeah. they didn't, when he talked about the resurrection, I was like, well, what does that mean? I mm-hmm. mean, you know, he's raised people from the dead, yeah, yeah and they knew that the prophets had read, but they don't really fully understand. It's like, well, is he going to die, and then is he going to, be, you know, raise himself the way he raised Jairus's daughter, mm-hmm. or what they didn't understand they had no and again how could they have a frame of reference no one had ever risen from the dead Uh like that you know you people had been resuscitated even the even the prophets had been able to bring people back from death to life but they don't fully understand what Jesus is getting at and and they're also not fully understanding this whole thing about the suffering they're not getting it they're not what do you mean you have to suffer I mean you're the Messiah, right? That means you're the King of Israel, right? right. Mean, they have their own preconceived notion of, of what that means, and in the Acts of the Apostles, after the resurrection, <laughs> just before the Ascension, as He's taking Him up on, you know, the, go, taking Him up to the Mountain of the Ascension, and they ask Him, "Has the time come, Lord? Are You going to restore the reign to Israel now?" <laughs>
1: <Jeez>. <laughs> no,pe
2: <laughs> not in the way that You had thought.
1: Yeah,
2: and when the Holy Spirit comes then you will fully understand. Got it. But, and that's it. And then we get this notion sometimes, and we still get this notion that, you know, hey, we're following Christ. We don't have to suffer, right? Jesus did all the suffering. Why do I have to suffer? Jesus did it all, you know? I don't have to suffer. Life is going to be wonderful. If I'm following Christ, there's not going to be any... They're not going to be any problems. Everything's going to be great. There are not going to be any challenges. Everything's going to be easy. You know? Oh, I'm doing the apostolate. Obviously, if something goes wrong, it's because the devil's interfering. Well, really? Not necessarily. You know, God will test the work. Who are we serving? Are we serving ourselves and our own prior? Are we serving the Lord? And so Jesus came. He came, and he warns his apostles he's going to suffer. But, and the interesting thing is, what do you have here? So they're walking along, you know, and he's just told him he's gonna die, and and you know all again they should be all sad and whatever and kind of well what does that all mean? And, but they're not gonna ask him, and so they get this little discussion among themselves, and they're just whispering to one another, and they get in the house, and Jesus says, "So what were you discussing along the way?" Like he didn't know. You know it's kind of like when God comes into the garden after Adam and Eve sin and says, "Adam, where are you?" Oh, God doesn't know, right? He's clueless, right? He knows exactly what they were doing, right. and it's what's what's beautiful is the gospel writers don't sugarcoat it. Oh. They show the weakness of the apostles, and so right after Jesus foretells his passion, they're arguing about who's the greatest. Are you serious? You know? yeah. and, and isn't that like us sometimes? It is. Somebody says something to us that we really don't fully comprehend or or it's like you know i I can't take that right now so we just totally change the subject and go off somewhere else and we don't even begin to absorb what was said to us Mm -hmm. and so the apostles go off on their little discussion about who's the greatest and so jesus takes a child Mm -hmm. he takes a little child and that's The the whole thing, unless you change and become like little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And so we have to, and what is it? What does it mean to be like a child? That we're bickering and fighting over territory and playing king on the hill and beating each other? No, a child who is not spoiled trusts in their father's love for them. And that has confidence that their parents will take care of all their needs and will protect them in every situation. Scott Hahn tells that beautiful story. He has this book he wrote. Tell us that. He, a father, you know, keeps a father who keeps his promise. Yeah, that's a great it tells story. this beautiful story. Was Armenia? Armenia. There was this huge earthquake mm-hmm. and there was a school that collapsed. And this one man went racing to the school and to the place where his son's first grade classroom should be. And he started digging
1: but before I did that, can you make sure you tell him what he would tell his son before he would go to school? Before he went to school, he said, Son, if no matter what happens, I will always be
2: there for you. Yeah, I answer. will always be there for you. Okay. And so this man digs. Yeah. And 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 people are like, well, you know, first you know, a few people start digging, but they dig for a couple hours and they're tired. They're like, well what we can't do it. I mean they're they're all dead anyways. Look at everything that's piled yeah, but, on top of them. There's no point. It's this is worthless. You know, and, and so he continues, he continues. He goes on for 12 hours. He goes on for 18 hours. Wow. He goes on for 24 hours. And people are just, they're looking at him like, this guy is really whacked out. He is nuts. <laughs> All he's going to find is dead bodies. <laughs> and and he's like, you can complain and you can criticize me or you can start digging with me. So he keeps digging. and And after about 36 hours, they start hearing moaning. And then other people come in and start helping him. And so he starts pulling children out from under the rubble one by one. And eventually he finds his son and he pulls his son out. And then when he's pulled out, everyone who's alive, his son is standing there and he turns to the children and he said, you see, I told you my father wouldn't forget us. Wow. He promised he would be powerful. And he came and he came not only for his son. And this is a true story. He helped these other children and not everybody lived. But had he given up, they all would have died. And that Jesus, this son had this. And by the way, his son's son's conviction, his trust in his father is probably what kept those children alive. My dad's coming. Because in those situations, a lot of times what keeps a person alive is that hope. Someone's promised that they're going to be there. I can get through this because someone's going to be there. Someone's helping us from the other side. And so that son's hope probably inspired those children to keep clinging to life, despite the fact that many of them are probably injured. And and that's that's what God wants. He wants that childlike trust from us, that he's going to take care of all of our needs. (laughs) And no matter what it looks like in this world, God still loves us, and he's still taking care of us. That doesn't mean I'm going to be a millionaire, and I'm going to have everything I want of this world's goods. That's not what he made me for. I have no finality in this world. God made me for heaven. He wants me to live in his grace. He wants me to live in union with him so that I can get
1: to heaven. Mary, is there a connection with the life of the unborn? Because I mentioned this reading earlier in the Terry and Jesse show. I want to ask your professional biblical scholarly comment, I said that when Jesus said taking a child, he placed it in his midst, putting his arms around it, he said to them, whoever receives a child yeah. as this in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but the one who sent me. What about the unborn? These are children. Absolutely. They're just very young. They're little, bi- they're little and, babies, and, so, and God made so them. So all of the folks who are listening that are involved with the pro-life movement and those who want to be, you're implementing... What
2: right.
3: Jesus
1: Christ said about our children, right. we need to go to bat for the unborn.
2: We do. We need to fight and, and begin fighting from our knees, fervently asking God to deliver us from the culture of death in which we are enmeshed and to stop, to, to save us, not only from the scourge of abortion, which is a symptom of a deeper problem, but from all of the aspects of the culture of death, which include you know, contraception and pornography and indecency and immodesty. All of these things enmesh us in that pleasure culture where all we're living for is to gratify the flesh in the moment. Yeah. That's, that leads to abortion. That abortion is the logical conclusion of all of this. You know, without, without um, Griswold versus Connecticut, 1968, the, the Supreme Court decision that outlawed the right of any state in the union to, to sell contraceptives in their state, they needed that first, in order for Roe versus Wade to come. First, they had to make contraceptives widely used so that then they abortion becomes, it, it's the backup contraceptive. Oh, your contraceptive failed? No problem, we can take care of this. Believe it or not, that was planned. That was Planned Parenthood's vision from the beginning.
1: Wow, when we come back, we'll continue with the Gospel of Mark. Get yourself a cup of coffee. If you're not a coffee drinker, get yourself a hot cup of tea like I would. Come back with the Bible with the barbers here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Bring that. Up. This is Terry Barber inviting you. All the men to a men's conference June 15th at the Sacred Heart Chapel. This is going to be a day where we're going to talk about true masculinity. You know, there's a problem in the Catholic Church today. We have very few men who love the Catholic faith. And I know a lot of the wives that I'm listening to right now are saying, I want my husband to be on fire for the faith. Send him to the men's conference. Your son, send him to the men's conference by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call 877 877- that's June 15th when your husband comes back from this conference or your son they're going to have a different view about their Catholic faith because they're going to meet three men who love Jesus and his bride the church and are going to instill in them a love for Christ and his church the Eucharist Our Lady bring them to virginmostpowerfulradio.org sign up there or call 877-526-2151 full sheen ahead
0: It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. Please, prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: Welcome back to the Bible with the Barbers. Before I turn it back to my faithful bride, I said, "Honey, I forgot to give a good news story." With Terry and Jesse's show, it kind of fits into the Gospel of Mark, and the story is a Michigan powerlifter heroically. Lifts a vehicle pinned on top of a man after an accident, and here's the neat thing about it: this this uh, Michigan pro uh, pro lift power lifter, he was hailed as a hero because he helped this car that weighed over two tons. That's four thousand pounds. Now, this young man, Ryan Batchelor, is twenty nine years old. Was at the end of his workday Thursday when he heard a loud crash outside his office. So he said, Well, I I, you know, I looked out and I saw this Jeep Cherokee flipped over and uh outside there were four other guys trying to help this guy to move the car. So when I first approached the car, I said, Well, you know, I think I can help. You know, this guy benches three hundred and fifty pounds. Um he he squats nine hundred and fifty pounds. What? I mean deadlift eight hundred pounds. He noticed that he could get some leverage on the car if he tried to move it off the man whose lower body was still inside the vehicle, and his upper body was smashed up against the uh, speed limit sign. So what does he do? He says, I just jumped in. I did it. I moved the car off, and uh, the uh, ambulance guys came, and they uh, they took care of his medical needs, and so I went to the hospital uh, to go see him, and, you know, this... The guy obviously was very grateful. He said, you were my guardian angel who saved me. (laughs) Now, just for the fact, because I I get kind of tired how the media portrays um, almost every white person and every black person like we're like, you know, we're We're against each each other. other, But, you know, (laughs) the truth has no color. And so the African-American man who was in the car and this white guy, uh, I'm saying a white guy because the media uh, portrays all white people a lot of times as being racist People, I think that that's not a true statement. And this was an example. He said it right here. He says, I didn't look at, I just saw a person in need. Right. And I wanted to go out and help my brother. And I think of what Bishop Sheen said in Life is Worth Living, go out and help your your, your neighbor yeah. in need. Yeah. And he did that. So he really implemented, what I like about this, this is a Bible uh, study here with the Bible with the barbers. But this man was portraying what the Bible says about generosity and going out and, Right. Uh, helping people right. so i hope you were inspired by that story because when i read it i said this is what lifts me up when i see people living out the gospel right
2: right he just he
1: saw someone in need and he said i think i can help out here yeah. and he did he did something love he, him.
2: and there you go and the, the man's the man you know yep. the man probably would have died the yep. people at the hospital said if you had not intervened that's true then, that the, he probably wouldn't have lived until the yeah. you know the ambulance and others got there yeah so it was it was one of those situations, and by the grace of God, he was there in the right place. yep, so we're in uh, mark chapter ten now. good we're moving along. We're moving along slowly, but moving <laughs> like you know a snail's pace here. and in mark chapter 10 uh, verses thirty two Jesus again uh, in thirty three gives he gives a prophecy of his passion mm-hmm. and it's interesting, you know history repeats itself, right I, and then in verse thirty five um, up to verse. 45. Mm-hmm. So from 32 to 45, you've, first you have Jesus again telling about his passion. And then right afterwards, James and John come up to him and they say, Lord, will you give us anything we want? And he said, well, What do you want? <laughs> and they said, Grant that we're going to sit at your right hand and your left. Well, the last time he talked about his passion, then they were arguing about who's the greatest, right? Now he gives his passion. He talks about his passion. And now James and John walk up and they say, well, give us, let us sit at your right hand and your left hand in your kingdom. (laughs) They're not getting it, right? Nope, they're not. But do we get it? The question is, are we getting it? That's more important. You know, (laughs) are we getting it? And so, you know, Jesus, it's interesting. He knew what he was going to suffer in Jerusalem. And yet he is deliberately going to Jerusalem. And Jesus says at some at one place in the Gospel, not in the Gospel of Mark, but in one of the other Gospels, he says, which means he actually said it, by the way. We, we found Q, remember? Q is the actual life of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the secret source that all four evangelists used to write their Gospels, the real life of our Lord, what he actually did and taught while he lived among mm-hmm. men. And he says, I have a baptism with which to be baptized. Mm-hmm. And how I am constrained until it is accomplished. He also said, I have come to light a fire on the earth. Mm. And how I wish that the flame were enkindled. And it's more than wish. It's like, you know, this, this desire. burning desire. Yeah. And so Jesus is going forward to his passion. He has yeah. this, it's like, what is wrong with this guy? He <laughs> wants to suffer? He's a, no, he's not a masochist. He, he knew the good that would be brought by his passion. Yeah. And so he sets himself to do the good. And, and this is his father's will. He wants to accomplish his father's will. So when, he, when James and John ask him, will you grant us anything? And he says, okay, you want to sit at my right and left. Are you going to be able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism? In other words, are you going to go through the passion with me? And, and they say, sure, we can. Of course, anything. <clears throat> now, John will stick it out. But how? He goes to get our lady. <laughs> and he stands at the foot of the cross with our lady. Remember that, you know, and then, but he says to, to sit at my right and my left is not mine to give, but, and he tells him, you will, you will suffer. You will drink the cup that I drink. And John actually does stay with Jesus through Calvary and, and the other apostles left, but all of them, all of the others died as martyrs. They tried to martyr John, but he didn't die as a martyr. He died a natural death of old age, very old. old the only one. one, right? That's right. So Jesus, he sets himself to go to Jerusalem, and then again, as we pointed out in mm-hmm. talking about the gospel of the day, yes. that when the gospel writers write about the gospels, they don't sugarcoat over the faults. These are the pillars of the church. These were the ones, you know, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, and Simon, and Jude, and you know, mm-hmm. these are the twelve that Jesus chose. And one of them's a traitor, and they don't quote sugarcoat that either. Judas doesn't get himself saved. He rejects our Lord, and he rejects the Lord's plan, and he rejects the Lord's mercy, which is the tragic thing in the end. He wouldn't even accept his mercy. But the others, they fall, but they turn back to the Lord. And, and again, it's not—when the gospel writers wrote, they didn't try and make all the apostles look like they were just, you know, these— plaster a pair of saints who had no faults. (laughs) They all had faults. Here they were, they were ambitious. They're striving for the first place. They're not getting it. The supernatural aspect that we're not, they haven't understood yet that what Jesus has come to establish is not a kingdom of this world. Mm. In this world, yes, but it's not of this world. And so it doesn't have the same rules in terms of we're striving for our heavenly home. And Jesus came to serve not to be served. And so how are we going to get a place in his kingdom? We're going to follow him first in suffering. But, and for us, of course, we have to repent. We have to repent our sins, turn away from our sins. And then remember that we can do this in Christ. We don't embrace suffering for its own sake. We're not masochists, okay? And we're we're also not supposed to inflict sufferings on others. We don't, we don't re- it's not that we rejoice in human suffering for suffering's sake we realize that because of original sin god's original plan his original um perfect paradise was disrupted and so now there's suffering and death in the world and that's always going to be there until we get to heaven, the suffering and death is always going to be there. But all of that is redeemed by Christ's coming and taking on suffering and death himself. And so the meaning of our suffering takes on a new aspect. Now it can become redemptive. Now it's united to Christ, and it saves souls, and it makes us more like Christ. It conforms us to him, and it makes us closer to heaven because he is in heaven, and in heaven
1: he still bears his scars. You get me excited. I think of what Bishop Sheen said again years ago. He said, every action is like a blank check. That's right. If Christ's name is on it, it has infinite value. And you know, Mary, tying this into 2019, when a lot of us Catholics are hurting because of yeah. the, scandals the scandals in the scandal. church. Yeah. There's a lot of pain. You know what? I, there is a lot of pain. But don't forget, don't focus so much on the scandals that can depress you. Think about how to live in the state of grace. Absolutely. While you're reading your Bible more, are you praying more from this? So I want to make sure that everyone understands that we offer our life to God. Right. Through G. Je- uh, uh, this is how I would love to have it. We offer our life to Jesus through Mary. Right. This is the key to living with joy in your heart. I say this because this is 2019 here in America There are many Catholics who are depressed to a point of not even showing up for mass. Right, and they let this scandal get in the way of their relationship with Jesus.
2: Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't take scandal.
1: Scandal Jesus will always, said, be, always there. be there. Didn't the always be there. It's always gonna. You know,
2: the, the scandal's gonna be there. The poverty's gonna be there. No. But we strive forward in hope. Always yeah. be ready to give reasons for this That's hope that is in says. us. And what is this hope? This hope is that there is a better homeland. We're yeah. striving for a, a greater. We're striving for union with God here on earth, but. Perfect union with God in heaven. Amen. Perfect union with God. I'm excited. And we can do all things in Christ who strengthens us, as Philippians four thirteen, Paul tells us in Philippians that it's Jesus Christ who strengthens us. And when you know, James and John ask this and they don't really know what they're asking. Mm-hmm. Teresa Avila warns us, you know, you, you go and ask God for things and you're trying don't try and, and dictate to God. She says, His majesty knows what is best, what is suitable for us it is not for us to advise him what to give us for he can rightly reply that we do not know what we ask. So what we want is his will and we want to be conformed to his will. And this is what we have to strive for. This is what the apostles had to strive for. They show their weakness. Yeah. They At yeah, first yeah. they didn't get it. They had to learn. Mm-hmm. They had to change their mind. They had to give up their preconceived notions. Yeah. They had to let go of things. We all do. Yeah. And so, our Lord gives us the example. And the and the example of the only son, he comes to give, he comes to serve. And so much so is he serving, he's going to give his life. He's, and not just, it's not just like, okay, I'll stand before the firing squad. Boom, it's over in, you know, three seconds. <laughs> no, he suffered, suffered. He suffered at the hands of the Romans. He suffered torture and torment. And he suffered at the hands of the scribes and the Pharisees and the leaders of the people and the guards, you know, before they took him to Pilate, the night before they took him to Pilate, you know, the the guards slapped him in the face, and and they made fun of him, and they spit on him. And read the the accounts of the passion. Read them very carefully. They blindfold him and spit on him, play the prophet for us. Who who hit you? You know, it's like, uh, you know, it, it's not just oh yeah, easy easy peasy stuff. He suffered for hours, for hours and hours and hours, and that suffering began before, because even at the last supper, he's already suffering, in view of what's coming. Mm.
1: You know, and and he was—he really had a body. He was. You sound really like human. you're telling me we need to have a long-term, uh, uh, you know, mindset right. that life is short and that eternity is forever. Is that exactly. a fair statement? I think that's a fair statement. Okay. Mary, we're going to come back, but I want to remind everybody that there's a men's conference coming up June 15th, and we're working on getting a woman's conference set up also. So be patient, ladies. <laughs> but if you're thinking of a Father's Day gift. I'm asking you to go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org, or call eight seven seven five two six two one five one. Sign up your husband to come to this men's conference. That's going to be a good one, and it's sponsored here by Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And um, when we come back, we'll continue to look into the Gospel of Mark, chapter ten. This is Terry Barber inviting you, all the men, to a men's conference June 15th at the Sacred Heart Chapel. This is going to be a day where we're going to talk about true masculinity. You know, there's a problem in the Catholic Church today. We have very few men who love the Catholic faith. And I know a lot of the wives that I'm listening to right now saying, I want my husband to be on fire for the faith. Send him to the men's conference. Your son, send him to the men's conference by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call 877 526 2151 that's june 15th when your husband comes back from this conference or your son they're going to have a different view about their catholic faith because they're going to meet three men who love jesus and his bride the church and are going to instill in them a love for christ and his church the eucharist our lady bring them to virgin sign up there or call 877-526-2151 full sheen ahead
0: It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. Please, prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor you can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org.
1: Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1.
0: This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio.
3: Well,
2: welcome back. And here we are again. So the church carries on this work of Christ and we are supposed to participate in that. That we are preparing people for the kingdom, that kingdom we're supposed to establish here on the earth, that God is our father, that we're all brothers and sisters, and that we are supposed to be charitable to one another, loving God first, loving our neighbor As ourself, but also loving our neighbor the way Jesus loved them, and so to establish His kingdom means to be serving like He served, and to be willing to suffer, to serve even to the point where it it means suffering, to Mm -hmm. make sacrifices. And you know, right now in our world, we really need to do this for for the most innocent and defenseless in our society, Mm -hmm. because we live in a society, and the the craziest things are said. You know, you have politicians who say things like. Oh, I may not always get the facts right, but I'm morally right what I, I mean, how can we be morally right if we don't have the facts right, and how can we be morally right when we're supporting abortion can't or infanticide um and this particular representative is from New York, which yep. you know, and then you have Planned Parenthood, <laughs> the President of Planned Parenthood, getting up and saying, "Oh, Planned Parenthood is pro life with a big smile on her face, and it's Come like. On, man. What do you mean? Hypocrisy. Well, it, it's tragic. And and you have to, what we have to try and understand is what is this mindset? Yeah. What is this twisted thinking that allows them to say they're pro-life? Because the first Planned Parenthood, the first service they offer is abortion. That's That's why they were founded, was to offer abortions. That's what they do. That's why they sell contraceptives, so that when those contraceptives fail, then they will have a whole—it's a business for them. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. They're not concerned about women's health. Mm -hmm. They're not concerned about a woman's right to choose. By the way, 80% of women who can hear their baby's heartbeat or see an ultrasound ultrasound of their baby— do they, and women don't go by the way to planned parenthood clinics no. for abortion. I as a matter of fact I personally I have a niece. She went to a planned parenthood clinic cuz she needed some help. And they said, "Oh, here, no problem, just, you know, take take these pills and you'll have an, you know, a spontaneous they were chemical a chemical abortion pills. Ouch. Just take these pills and you'll be fine." And she's like, "But they didn't offer her any help for her pregnancy. They didn't offer her any referrals, nothing. All they offered her was a chemical abortion. She didn't want it. She took the pills and threw them out. She said, "I don't want your. I don't want that. That's not what I'm here for. I need some help, you know." And, and so, and this is this happens to so many women. They go there looking for help. And believe me, you know, it's like if if they're not, you know, th- these people are trained. You know, well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't want to. You know, I don't want an abortion. I just I need some help. And it's like, oh, honey, it's okay. Don't don't worry about it. This isn't a big deal. And and they they're trained to, you know, put their hand on her hand or on her shoulder and, and assuage her fears so that they can sell abortions. They're they're trained by marketing trainers. Yeah, <laughs> They're marketing abortion. Very it's, sad. It, but it, it would be bad enough, even if they weren't, that would yeah. be horrible yeah. and awful that, they're, that we live in a world where people think they can kill their children. <laughs> we're supposed to be building the kingdom of God. How can we be building the kingdom of God when we're contributing to the culture of death? And over the weekend, I went to a Day of Recollection, the priest hit us hard between the eyes. He said, none of us can exempt ourselves. And even those of us who are in the pro-life movement, he said, have we really fervently, as hard as we can, fought for the most defenseless in our society? You know, get down on our knees and beg God to deliver us. Abortion is a scourge. And, and contraception leads to abortion. And even if contraception didn't lead to abortion, and if it weren't, by the way, most contraceptives have an abortifacient effect, read the package inserts, people. Contraceptives have nothing to do with women's health. Read the package inserts. See what the people who make these chemicals say about what they're doing to your body. You're putting poison into your body. You're killing yourself. You know? And why? Because you're afraid of a child? You're afraid of the sacrifice that the child is going to ask of you? Don't be afraid of the sacrifice. The joy that comes with that sacrifice is out of this world, literally within this world. It's unbelievably, unspeakably joyful to serve that child. And this is what Christ came. He came to serve us. So ask Him for the courage to serve the children. And read the package inserts on those contraceptives. Oh, wait, you do that. They're, they're not about women's health. This isn't about health, and it's not about choice. It's about being complicit in murder. And, you know, if we do something really wrong, it's like little kids, you know, they weren't supposed to eat the cookies until dinner and they, nobody was looking so somebody grabs a cookie and they're eating it and one of their brothers and sisters comes in and they're like, "Oh, but try them. They're
1: really, really good. Yeah.
2: Right away you try and get them. You take one too, you know. And then yeah. and then, you know, that hey, then I'm not alone and I'm yeah, you and you know what? On me now. <laughs> exactly. Now you can't tell on me cuz you had one too. You know? And it's like, oh, "Okay." And that's that's what happens. You know, you get you get people who are willing to kill babies and they want
1: you to be complicit in it. They want you to be participating. What I'm hearing you say is the attitude of the world says everything's about pleasure. And the good news of Jesus Christ in the Bible talks about our goal ultimately is heaven. But I think it's fair to say the way we get to heaven, uh, especially especially with mothers, husbands, is by fulfilling our duties and our state in life well which is including being a good mother, a good father. And through doing our duties in our state and life, Our Lady of Fatima even confirmed that, that that this is holiness. And I think sometimes people don't realize, well, I'm trying to follow the Bible, but it's not that complicated, is it? Well, in the sense that
2: there are lots of things in the Bible that are hard to understand. That's why we have an authority. That's why we have the church. But yeah, it's not complicated. It's simple. That doesn't mean easy. No. It's simple. It's straightforward. And as straightforward as this, do the duties of your state in life and do them for love, for love of God, Mm. for love of your neighbor. Carry them out. the commandment of love. That's why we serve. And this is what Jesus, and we're doing it in imitation of Christ because he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So fathers and mothers, welcome the children that God sends to you. Mm. Embrace them and recognize in them the face of christ yeah. look for the face of christ in your little children and welcome the children and, and by the way we need to be a church that welcomes the children we need to the people in the pew need to stop criticizing parents for bringing their children to church the children are welcome remember even the apostles tried to chase the mothers away when but the what mo- did
1: jesus say <laughs> and
2: jesus said right. no he rebuked his apostles he didn't rebuke the women That's right. <laughs> so bring the children to jesus So then you have, in verse 46, you have that Jesus is going to Jericho, and there's a blind man sitting outside of Jericho, and he hears that Jesus is passing by, and he's like, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people are like, shh, be quiet, don't bother him. He doesn't have time for you. Who are you, you know? And he cries out louder, son of David, have pity on me. So Jesus calls him. And so they take him to to Jesus, and, and Jesus says, what would you have me do? He says, Lord, that I might see and I just if you can get this Navarre, picture it. Picture not Navarre, it. Picture it but if you can get the Navarre Bible commentary, it's great. it is so powerful because there are quotes in there from the saints and from the documents of the church and Father, the fathers and. of the church. And it, it enriches our understanding of the scriptures. And it also shows it how it applies to mm-hmm. us right now. Absolutely. Well, what is this blind beggar sitting outside of Jericho have to do with us? Well, number one. Haven't we heard Christ passing by in our life? Mm. And how many times have we heard Christ passing by, and we feel that that urge to follow Him? And then somebody says, "Ah, you can't do it. It's too hard." Or, "Do you realize how much pleasure you're going to have to give up?" Or, it, it, "Let's go to a movie instead. Not right now. Tomorrow, you can follow Christ tomorrow." Don't pray that Rosary tonight. Don't don't read that Bible tonight. Let's go to a movie. You know, let's go watch. If somebody dies, and and what do we do? You know, turn on the entertainment and turn on the distraction mm. instead of well, why don't we pray a rosary for the person who died? Why don't we pray the stations? Why don't we read the scriptures for half an hour and meditate on the passion of Christ and offer this for the person who died and offer it for the family, the family suffering? I mean, when somebody, when somebody died, believe me, somebody dies. Friday, in our family, three people, we found out that three people died that were connected to our family in terms of someone in our family sure. knew them. And, and some of those people, more than one person in our family knew and, and at least we knew their families. And it's like three in one day. And, but it wasn't our family. But still, it's like, it, it was pretty heavy over the weekend. It was really, because, you know, one of them had struggled with cancer for three years, battled cancer for three years. And that was a wonderful grace for her family oh. that she got to remain for three years because she wasn't supposed to even live that long. Yeah. You know, one of them was an older woman who was failing. And, you know, the family knew it. And, you know, one was a young person. It was an unexpected death. And it's like, oh, my gosh. You know what? Death is no respecter of age, people. When I was in grammar school, uh, when I was in sixth grade, we buried two of the eighth graders. You know, one of them died of meningitis at the beginning of the year, and one of them died of an accident at the end of the year. And it was like, oh, wow, you know? And, you know, we've gone to funerals of babies. and But what? Bartimaeus here's Jesus passing by, so don't let people tell you, put it off. Answer immediately, Bartimaeus. And when they tell him, no, shh, be quiet, he cries out louder. It's like, Lord... Lord, I need you. I need you. Do we cry this out? Do we cry out from our hearts? Jesus, son of David, have pity on me Mm -hmm. constantly. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. And so he doesn't just get up and kind of meander over. He throws his cloak off. He leaves everything behind. And Escriver in his, um, in one of his Saints. books, Saint Escrivier, <laughs> Saint Jose Maria Escrivier, in his book *Friends of God*, he talks about visiting a battlefield after a battle. Oh yeah! And he talks about, and this was this was a real battle, and he got to visit the after the encounter had ended, yeah. and he noticed that there were coats and haversacks and water bottles, everything that the soldiers was precious to them was left on the battlefield, and this wasn't the people who were vanquished, this was the victors. These were the ones it was like okay we have this moment to overcome the enemy leave everything behind and go for it and that's how it is with Christ or do we realize we have to leave everything behind our coats our haversacks our desire for pleasure our attachment to the things of this world our own opinions you know are we willing to leave our entertainments for an hour to pray are we willing to you know shut off that radio in your car you don't need that noise all the time listen to the voice of god and you can't hear the voice if you don't have silence and so bartimaeus is showing us and he throws off everything and runs to christ and and what does jesus say what do you want of me lord that i might see lord that i might see
1: there's a spiritual side that we might see the spiritual side of life also right? amen vision amen. physical vision and right. we come back we'll continue bible with the barbers the gospel of mark hope you're enjoying this remember this is a podcast you can be listening to this anytime share it with your friends help us with the youtube promotion by liking us you like that This is Terry Barber inviting you, all the men, to a men's conference June 15th at the Sacred Heart Chapel. This is going to be a day where we're going to talk about true masculinity. You know, there's a problem in the Catholic Church today. We have very few men who love the Catholic faith. And I know a lot of the wives that I'm listening to right now saying, I want my husband to be on fire for the faith. Send him to the men's conference. Your son, send him to the men's conference by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call 877 526 2151 that's june 15th when your husband comes back from this conference or your son they're going to have a different view about their catholic faith because they're going to meet three men who love jesus and his bride the church and are going to instill in them a love for christ and his church the eucharist our lady bring them to virginmostpowerfulradio.org sign up there or call 877-526-2151 full sheen ahead
0: It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the Gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. Please, prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888 526 2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
2: So, welcome back here. So, we want to follow that example of Bartimaeus. Don't let anything discourage us. Whatever's keeping us from getting closer to Christ, and first of all, that sin, cast it off and ask Him. And you know what? It's not whether you fell or not. You know, the apostles fell, they made mistakes, they sinned. Did you get up again? Go back to the Lord every time and cry out for mercy. That's can I, all. Can
1: I make a suggestion to what you're saying? Show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are. Don yeah. Bosco said that. Right. And a lot of times avoiding sin is what we call avoiding near occasions of sin. Precisely. And sometimes being with certain kind, certain people who are not really your friends right. can lead you into sin. So exactly. just ask, my, ask yourself this question. Who am I associating with? People right. who are in the world, yep. or, you know, of the world, or... Are people who are going to lead me to heaven?
2: Right, exactly, and that's what we need to do that. We need to, and that's we need to make that a serious part of our examination: Are the people that I'm hanging around with leading me into sin yeah. or encouraging me? Maybe, maybe they're not directly leading me into sin. Maybe they're just encouraging me lukewarm. to put off my fervorance yeah. for Christ yeah. and just live a lukewarm life. Yeah. If you think you're safe in a lukewarm life, read the book of Revelations, because you are neither hot nor cold. Yeah would that you were either hot or cold, but because you are neither, I have already begun to vomit you out of my mouth, our Lord says. Mm -hmm. So lukewarmness is not the place to be. You know, The state of mortal sin is not the place to be. Lukewarmness is not the place to be. We need to be fervent for Christ. So ask the Lord to set your heart on fire, to give you the fullness of his spirit. Lord, that I may see, that I may see what it is you want me to do, and then give me the courage and the strength to do it. And that's what, and Bartimaeus follows him. He And that Jesus gives him his sight. He says, Master, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus says, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Trust that Jesus can do this. He can help us overcome any sin in our life, any addiction, any fault, any failures. And sometimes he leaves us with faults and failures and our weaknesses so that we will be humble. Jesus doesn't, he can't, not proud. Jesus wasn't proud. He's humble. And we have to ask him with that too. Jesus, meek and humble of heart, make my heart like your heart. Or share your heart with me, Jesus. Mm -hmm. Share your humble heart with me. Share with me your humility. So then we get into chapter 11. And what we have at the beginning of chapter 11 is the really big stuff. Mm -hmm. This is the Messiah enters Jerusalem. Jesus comes to Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And they draw near to Jerusalem. They get to Bethapage. And he sends two of his disciples, and he says, go to the village opposite and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Mm. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you, why do you do this? Say to them, the Lord has need of it and will send it back immediately. And they went away and found the colt tied at the door in the open street and they untied it. And those who stood there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they said what Jesus had told them, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus, and threw their garments on it, and sat upon it, and many spread their garments on the road, and others spread leafy branches, which they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father, David, Hosanna in the highest and he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the Mm twelve. So we have here Palm Sunday. (laughs) We're getting a preview here. Lent's coming up very quickly. We need to prepare. It's interesting, you know, before the council, you had those Sundays, the Quadragesima Sunday and Quintragesima Sunday. And you prepared for three Sundays, actually, mm-hmm. to get ready to get into Lent. And then you have the Lent. So you actually started preparing for Lent 70 days before Lent. Yeah. We just, we've discovered this. And, and you know the, the liturgy of the church is so rich. Mm. And I- you need to look into the Eastern liturgy. You need to look into the Latin liturgy. But not just the Latin Rite liturgy of that we've experienced, but the many different aspects of the Latin Rite liturgy, like the the um, ordinate, yeah. the we do that. the Anglicans who have come into union with Rome, That's right. Tell them and that. because they have they've saved for us some of the beautiful tradition that was lost, the traditions of preparing ourselves and and being more aware of the reverence and the beauty of the liturgy, hmm. and they're not a separate rite. There are rites. There's there's 19 rites in the Catholic Church. So there's. The, the richness of the Catholic liturgy, and these are all rites in union with Rome, but the, the ordinance in union with the chair of Peter is not a rite. It's an ordinance. It's part of the Latin rite. So it's an expression of the Latin liturgy. Mm. It, would, it would enhance, it would beautify, it will deepen and enrichen your understanding of the Latin liturgy to experience this.
1: And just a commercial, yeah. 9 a.m. Mass, the barbers with the Bible. <laughs> yeah, we're there. We go to the Sacred Heart Chapel 9 a.m. for holy mass that Mary Danielle's talking about and I want to invite you. If you're in Southern California, drive to the Sacred Heart Chapel in downtown Covina, to our Sacred Heart Chapel and experience what my wife is saying. It's
3: beautiful.
2: So Jesus enters he enters Jerusalem here and he takes this colt that no one's been has ridden upon and why? Because it was said in the prophecy, all of this fulfills the prophecy that your king will come, excuse me, your king will come to you riding on a colt, a, a beast of burden. So the king was supposed to come into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And so this is what Jesus does. And of course, the people are all very excited and everybody has, but what are they expecting? Again, are they expecting an otherworldly kingdom? Or are they expecting a worldly kingdom? You know Jesus comes into Jerusalem, He's triumphant. They're, they're declaring him the son of David. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus comes and he takes a, And Mark doesn't give you all the details of what happens. Okay, so Jesus goes out. <clears throat> it's interesting because by the end of the week, the same crowd is going to be singing a different song.
1: Mm.
2: How fickle the human heart is. Yeah. How quickly we change our mind. Mm when our expectations aren't met? Are we willing to change our will to bring it into conformity with God's will? Or are we gonna insist that God do it our way and if he doesn't do it our way, we're gonna give up on him? Like Judas, you have to do it my way. And he did, Jesus didn't do it Judas's way. And in the end, Judas is very confused because he just expected he had it all figured out and he had it, and it's like, no, you were wrong, Judas. Can you just admit that you were wrong? And instead, what does he do? He flings the money in the temple and goes off in anger and hangs himself. Mm. And Jesus says of him, it would have been better for the son of perdition if he had never been born. It would have been better for Judas himself if he had never been born. Very solemn words. Mm. And we, so we pray for each other, that we have the grace, that when because we, we do sin. People, we're human. It's not whether or not we fell did we get up again. Are we willing to turn to the Lord in humility and ask for his mercy? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You're like the, you know, the publican. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. You know, what is it? Jesus says the righteous man falls seven times a day. And then when we get surprised, if we're we're falling to sin, by the way, if we're real surprised when we fall into a sin, that's pride.
3: That is. (laughs)
2: We haven't overcome our pride
1: yet. And just to encourage people to go to, confession (laughs) at least once a month um that's what saint john paul ii encouraged us to do and so if it's been longer than a month we're just going to encourage you go to confession receive the sacrament of mercy often Often. not just once a year
2: absolutely not and not just once or twice a year and i I like to make the analogy um confession is like confession is for the soul what bathing is for the body all right you only go to confession once a year how come you think you have to take a bath every day if you only have to bathe your soul once a year, maybe you don't need to bathe your body so much. Maybe <laughs> take a bath once a month,
1: people. I don't
2: think so. You know, or try taking a bath once a year. Oof. You know, see, see how long that lasts. Well, what, this is what we're doing to our souls. And the same with, with abstaining from receiving Holy Communion. I mean, if somebody came up to you and said, "Look, I really think you, should, you only need to eat one meal a week. If you eat one meal a week on Sunday, you're going to be fine. You don't have to worry about it the rest of the week. How many of us are going to be able to do our work or our duty or our, you know, we find out real quick, but the needs of the body are there to remind us of the needs of our soul. Just like your body needs food every day, your soul needs food every day. Just like your body needs to be bathed on a frequent and regular basis, your soul needs to be bathed on a frequent and regular basis. You know, and, and the sponge bath you take, or what they used to call the farmer bath out oh, yeah. in the out in the out in the country, you know, well, the acts of contrition, your examination of conscience, and your daily act of contrition that you can make several times a day to stop and examine yourself and say, "Lord, I'm sorry for offending you," you know, mm-hmm. um, and then confession is like that full bath, bathe the soul, and you don't have to wait till you fall into mortal sin. Pope John Paul II encouraged what's called devotional confession. So Jesus goes out. On the following day, and when he comes back into Jerusalem, he was hungry, and he passes by a fig tree. And in one of the other gospels, it tells us it wasn't the season for figs. By the way, mm-hmm. not yet; they don't come in till the summer. And there was nothing on the tree. He looked for fruit, and there was nothing there. And he curses the tree. Yeah, I know. It's like whoa, um, in season funny? and out of season. Yeah. Do, you, do you think Jesus can be harsh? Yeah. Yeah. This isn't just a you know a spoiled brat saying I'm hungry and psh, you know. Yeah. No, this is the Son of God. Teaching us something. Now, it's not even the season for figs, and he's demanding figs of that tree. Wow. And because that tree tree doesn't give him figs out of season, do we need to bear fruit in season and out of season? Absolutely. Do we need to serve whether we feel comfortable or not? Do we need to serve whether we like it or not? Yeah. We need to be ready to serve the Lord at any time. Always ready. Always on call always waiting to hear his voice and immediately responding immediately as Ma- Ma- Mark would say, immediately we don't have tomorrow. That's Mark says it's urgent. It's urgent. It has to be done. Now we don't have tomorrow. You don't know how many days you have, you know, we don't know. We don't know. So they come to Jerusalem and they enter and in the temple. This is um, in Mark 11. You have the cleansing of the temple where people were buying and selling and they had turned the temple into a marketplace this is what they had done. And Jesus, you know, he, He drives them out, and he says to them, is it not written, my house should be called a house of prayer for the nations? All the nations were supposed to come and pray, but you have made it a den of robbers. So we're coming up on the end of our time here, and oh, my goodness. Well, we got to chapter 11. We got to chapter 11 here, 18. people, and, and this is good timing. We're coming into Lent. We're coming into the Passion Tide Perfect. of our Lord. Perfect. This is a great preparation for the Passion Tide of our Lord. And to really examine our lives and ask ourselves, where are we putting off our conversion? And maybe we better get serious about this and turn to the Lord and be converted.
1: I would like to make a promise next week that we talk a little bit about uh, lent and preparing using these the scripture readings for lent Good. to prepare to make this the best lent ever for Absolutely. all of us including Absolutely. you and me Amen. thank you my love you. I want to thank you for joining us here at the bible with the barbers and all of virgin most powerful radio shows over a year now we've been on the air we couldn't do it without you i just want to thank you we've got new shows coming up next month and we're excited. So thank you. Go to Virgin Most Powerful Radio to make a donation or call 877-526-2151. We'll see you next week. God bless you and your family.
3: St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests Oh my Jesus, I beg Thee on behalf of the whole church, grant it love and the light of Thy Spirit and give power to the words of priests so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to Thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou Thyself maintain them in holiness. O Divine and Great High Priest, may the power of Thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of Thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us.
0: Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.